Hello, I'm Chris Moon, a fellow artist manager, and I will be your guide through Tough Love, Adventures in Artist Management. Today we chat with Aaron Anderson, founder of Olivia Artist Management. Aaron's commitment to emerging artists and her thoughtfulness in all the work that she does is truly inspiring. I've known Aaron for a while now, and while we've had the pleasure of working together on several occasions, I didn't really know much about her backstory. While so many of us stumble into artist management, she actively tried to steer clear of it. But ultimately, the calling and pull was just too much, and I'm sure her artists are very grateful that she decided to stick it out. One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was to learn from my peers, not just tips and tricks, but who they are and how they frame their work. This episode embodies that for me. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron Anderson, and my company is called Olivia Management. We've been managing artists for seven and a half years now, which is crazy. Time flies. We work mostly in the Americana and folk music space. We've got some bordering on rock and roll and some bordering on country, but we're in that uh, genre for the most part. So we work with artists like Smoothhound Smith and Jill Andrews, and uh, Jill Andrews started a band called The Hush Kids. I'm really into harmonies, so any bands with beautiful harmonies are my jam. Um, we also work with like a rock artist named Matthew Mayfield. We work with an artist more on the Americana leaning countryside named Ruthie Collins. Um, we work with a longtime songwriter, um, brilliant guy named Derek Webb. And we work with this beautiful songwriter named Lydia Luce and she plays viola and violin and she plays strings. And so we've kind of got that piece of it as well. So we run the gamut um, in that kind of folk Americana world. Oh, that's great. Uh, and I'll have to say, you know, while you and I have had an opportunity to work together in, in certain capacities in the past, I've always admired all the artists you've worked with. And it's kind of, you, know, you almost set like a, a tastemaker component to it. Like anything that kind of falls under your, um, your umbrella is always worth a listen. In my Thank opinion. you. I try. I, you know, I think there are some managers that can work with stuff they don't personally love. Like I think they're just good managers and good mm-hmm. salespeople. But I feel like I wear my emotions on my face, and so if I don't just love the music, I just can't. I can't represent it. You know, I have to really, really believe in it. So. Uh, that's a big part of what we've tried to build here. So thank you. Yeah, no, it definitely, I, I've, I'm, I operate the same way. Uh, that's always been my kind of barometer in some respects for, um, you know, if I'm going to engage in the management, artist management side of things, it's like, is this waking me up at three o'clock in the morning with, um, you know, uh, an idea and, yes. and, and, and am I going to be, you know, right down front center to take in a set? Or am I going to be, you know, uh, just, is it going to make my day when I see a demo come into my inbox, that kind of thing, right. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. That's my favorite. And some of my artists try to say, well, I'll send it to you when it's, you know, when it's polished. And I'm just like, no, I love the music. Just send send me the cell phone demo. I just want to hear it. <laughs> so yes, I totally get that. Yeah. So how involved do you get to have a tendency to get, I know it's probably different artist and artist. Uh, although the more I, I speak to, uh, various managers, it is kind of interesting to see the consistency in some respects, but how involved do you tend to get in that creative process? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, different managers probably, like you said, have different philosophies and different strengths. I, I'm i just a fan and I don't feel 
like I have any sort of special qualification to try to tell an artist a song needs to be shorter or it needs a better bridge or a better chorus. So I don't get particularly involved in that creative process. The way I describe it to my clients is I'm good at being creative about business and being creative about finding you new revenue streams and figuring out new ways to grow your brand. Um, but what's important to me is that the artist believes it. And so I say a lot to my artists, like if you're coming to me and saying like, what's cool right now and what's the radio gonna play? I think you're asking the wrong question. I think, I think the artists that really break through and make an impact are the ones that say, this is what I have to say to the world. You know, this is what I feel like I need to put out there into the world and this is what I'm feeling right now and this is the beauty and the art I want to create. And so I actually really push my artists to go with their guts and their hearts about it and figure out um, what they think is what they want to put out into the world. And then I get really creative about selling it. So I think the most that I get involved is just like I'll help with track order because I think you know, you don't want a super fast song next to a super slow song and you want to think through that. So I'll, I'll share my thoughts on that. And sometimes I'll share my thoughts on, you know, um, our artist Jill Andrews made a record last year and she had 20 plus songs written for it. And so she came in one day and actually with all of our interns and all the employees, she played all of them for us and we all voted on, hey, if you can only put 12 on an album, which are the 12 strongest that speak to people. So I'll definitely share my thoughts in that realm, but I don't get involved in like the super nitty gritty creative piece of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're coming at it from, you know, the level of a fan, you know, just being yeah. there first and, right. and having the ability to give some counsel and, and, you know, think about, you know, sequencing, like you mentioned and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, but what I love what you touched on, um, is the fact that where you do get creative is on the business side of things, the, the marketing side, which right. I've always found, I don't know. There is definitely the kind of this pure execution component of being an artist sure. manager, the, the not necessarily fun thing of, you know, <laughs> answering emails, following up, advancing shows, booking flights, the logistics, right? Right, um, right. That just have to be done. But then there's moments where you get an opportunity to be creative on the marketing side where you think about collaborations potentially or, you know, opening opportunities or whatever. I mean, it can, it can kind of come in different packages and in different ways but I always you know th those are the moments at least uh for me when I'm working with an artist where I'm like oh now this is where I get to kind of stretch some creative muscles right. and, and right. maybe speak into something that I wouldn't necessarily have an opportunity to do otherwise it might you know frame um things for an artist that can have uh sometimes a profound you know uh opportunity or change you know potentially sure. um right. you know I, I love that we, we as artist managers get an opportunity to do that from time to time yes uh, me too it's my favorite part yeah no i'm with you on that so how did you what was your path into being an artist manager because everybody kind of comes for the most part most people just don't raise their hand and go i'm going to be an artist manager most people kind right. of have some <laughs> industry experience or come at it from a different right. you know through a different path so i always love hearing um everybody's individual yeah. path well the funny thing about my path is i actively fought against being a manager for the first six or seven years of my career um, I managed quote unquote a friend in college that was a musician and he was very talented and my experience of doing that was I would work really hard and I would book a gig or I would promote it or I would hang the posters and do kind of all the all the nitty gritty work. And then 
there there was one time that was kind of the last straw for me where he just was like, I don't really feel like doing that and just straight up didn't show up to a show I had booked and promoted and oh you know worked so hard. And, and I had this moment, I was like 22, like never again, I'm not going to let my success and my hard work go to waste for someone else. And so I thought, well, I want to avoid being a manager because that's what it is. You know, you're tying your success and your career in alongside with an artist. And so my first job out of college was at UMG, Universal Music Group, and I worked in what they called their shared services department. Um, and at the time, Universal in Nashville was MCA Records, Mercury Records, and Lost Highway Records. So MCA and Mercury were their, were their country staples. And so when I was there, they had Sugarland and they had George Strait and they had Reba McIntyre and we got to work on some really cool big kind of legacy country stuff but then we also had Lost Highway Records which was putting out Elvis Costello and Lucinda Williams and we did a Van Morrison record and that was the stuff that I personally was a big fan of um, and I had this great job where I worked for the general manager of the label and so he was kind of the general manager CFO and he said you know I want an assistant but I want an assistant to um, do spreadsheets and look at artist contracts and, and help me be better at my job. I don't need someone to get me coffee and get me lunch and do my, you know, get my laundry. And so I had this great training where I just got to see the profit and loss statements for all of these major records. And I got to see and overhear contract negotiation with like Reba McIntyre. And I just got this really great high level education on the label side of this is how labels op operate. And it was also cool because it was, it was a major label, but the Lost Highway imprint of the label was essentially operating as a mini indie label. So I kind of got to see both sides of that, which was awesome. And I just got, I got to feeling like I want to be as educated as possible in business. So I actually went back to school and I got my MBA at Vanderbilt um, and I did a concentration in strategy and marketing and entrepreneurship. Um, they don't have, Vanderbilt doesn't have like a specialized music business program. So I was in classes with like one of my classmates is the brand manager for Oscar Meyer Wiener. Now he like runs the Wiener Mobile program. <laughs> oh, wow. um, yeah. And, and, and so I just like had this great education. Like some of my classmates are on Wall Street now and doing all these really big things in business. And I thought, well, the music industry is in a flux. This is like 2007, eight. Um, I want to be a part of the solution. And so I want to be a smart person in business. And so out of Owen at Vanderbilt, I got recruited to Amazon Music. And so I ended up moving to Seattle and working for Amazon Music. So I, I started on the label side, then got a, a better education. And then I went um, to the retail side. And so I was working for, you know, the best internet retailer in the world. And they, they had just started the MP3 store three or four years before I got there. And so it was still a growing piece of their business. Um, and so I got to kind of be a part of building that music team at Amazon. I moved to Seattle for a couple years and I did, um, I did some artist relations and I did some, um, I did some programs where I was working very closely with artist managers and artists to figure out how do we market your record within Amazon. Um, so I would, I would spend a lot of time talking to managers and artists and say, okay, we want to partner with you and we want to, um, make sure that you know, your records are being surfaced to people coming to shop on Amazon and they're seeing what's there. So I got this, you know, label background and then this um, retail background and I, I became increasingly and increasingly more unhappy at Amazon because I'm just not built to have nine bosses. I'm not built to um, 
like be a company man. And so there were a couple projects I had worked really hard on and Amazon being a company with a multi-billion dollar operating budget, they could change their mind on projects and even projects they had put, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars into, they could say, well, you know, we don't think this is growing fast enough for the return we want. So we're going to shut this down. And so I was there for two years and three major projects got shut down, you know, while I was there. And so as someone with an entrepreneurial spirit, every time I felt like, oh, you just killed my baby. Like you just killed this <laughs> thing that I invested in. Right. And also it wasn't because they were failing. It was because they weren't succeeding fast enough. Hmm. Um, and so that was also really hard for me to swallow. Like this thing is making money. This thing is driving traffic. It's just not enough and it's not fast enough. And probably that mindset is why Amazon is the company that it is today. But I very quickly realized it was not for me. So luckily around the time I'm having this realization, like I can't stay at Amazon any longer. Some friends of mine from Nashville were on tour in Seattle and asked if they could sleep on my couch. And I went to the show and it was like the first time I felt excited about the music industry. And kind of like you were saying where we like sat up all night dreaming about how to grow their band. Mm. And I just got really excited. And the lead singer of that band, kind of jokingly looked at me and was like, well, do you want to like move back to Nashville and manage us? And (laughs) I was like, yeah, I do. That's exactly what I want to do. And he was kind of taken aback and surprised that that was my response. Um, But it it, kind of just hit me in that moment that I had been avoiding management because I didn't want to tie my career to someone who wasn't working hard. Mm -hmm. And here was a band who had self-booked themselves across the country and they played to a pretty packed room in Seattle. They had self-promoted. They had nobody helping them. These guys weren't going to not show up for a show. They were so excited to have anybody else thinking about their career and helping them. I realized that I had been kind of fighting against my strength, which is I like running things for lack of a better way to say it you know I like being in charge and what was really hard for me at Amazon was I had no control over how fast projects were accomplished and if they ever saw the light of day and so it just got it got me really excited that I could manage this band and the lead singer and I could put our heads together and we could launch something tomorrow if we wanted and we did we wouldn't have to wait for permission and we wouldn't have to go through seven levels of people understanding something we could just be agile and excited and do this together so I quit my job I think the story has become like folklore now for me. And so in my mind, I like marched into my boss's office the next day and quit. I'm sure it wasn't literally the next day, but within a month I quit and moved back to Nashville and started an artist management company. Wow. And that was seven and a half years ago. Wow. That's a, that's a great story and a great journey. Um, Yeah. I I was going to ask you when did, when is, what was the moment when you realized, Oh, I'm doing this. I'm an artist manager. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, you kind of turned it on his head where it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this, but yet now is the time, you know, and the relationships are so intimate and so, you know, unique, uh, I I think for everyone. Um, And it's, it's funny. I've, been managing for 20 plus years and I start you know when I start thinking about this even just recently I've gotten to the place where I think you know the the root in all this is like that that uh, moment of trust um like the story you just shared you know there was a, a a moment where you're like I'm gonna trust my time and talents to ar- articulate and you know really push forward this artist in their career and vice versa where you know somebody's like well I'm going to also trust you with right. our art right. and what we're doing you know to right. kind of play that role 
And that, in some respects, I mean, that's almost true of any relationship, but when you get to that moment where you can go, hey, we trust each other and we're going to figure this Mm -hmm. out and we're going to commit to it, that's the kind of seed to the relationship that, you know, I, I find it really hard to sometimes articulate what the role of an artist manager is. Right, right. And I'd love to hear your definition of it. Uh, but it, it's, I, I feel like through these conversations, I'm starting to kind of unravel, uh, you know, certain elements of it uh, sure. along the way. Um, but, I, well, I guess it's still relevant in some respects. I mean, once you moved back and started your company, I mean, obviously you're doubling down on doing artist management. You kind of avoided it at all cost up until that point. Right, right. <laughs> but were you able to, you know, kind of take all these various experiences you know obviously the catalyst coming out of amazon but then all that history you had at at universal uh, and being around lost highway and kind of bake that into you know where you're at and where you wanted to go with you know starting your own company and the type of artist you wanted to work with yeah absolutely i mean i think um i you were asking like when was the moment i knew i was a manager and i remember I think there was just this very clear break in like, okay, I quit my job at Amazon. I packed everything and I moved back across the country back to Nashville. And I think I moved back on a Friday and I think it was Easter weekend. So I like saw some friends, went to an Easter barbecue. And then Monday morning, I remember waking up and being like, what do I do now? You know, like (laughs) this is my job now. And I remember taking my laptop and driving over to the lead singer's house and sitting on his couch and being like, is this it? Like, are we doing this now? Is this my job now? So I have a very distinct memory of that very first Monday morning of being like, oh, this is what I do and starting to email people and introduce myself as an artist manager, which is a weird, you know, uh, description to suddenly be giving. But um, yeah, what I did in that first few weeks was I just emailed everyone I still had a relationship with in Nashville and said, hey, I'm starting this artist management company. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I never interned for a manager. I, I'm not even really sure what my job is, but what I know is I understand business. I understand entrepreneurship. I understand the digital landscape of music currently. And I, and I believe in this band and I want to help them make money and make art and survive making art. And so that was kind of the foundation I started from. And I had all these great you know, relationships and friends that went to lunch with me, went to coffee with me. And I remember one of the questions I asked everyone was, tell me what are like your three biggest mistakes or regrets that you have? Like if you were, if you are talking to a brand new manager, what would your advice to me be? Like what at all costs avoid these things? And then what are the three best things you did for yourself setting up your company and setting yourself up as a manager? And so I got to pull a bunch of people in the industry about that. And it kind of gave me a great foundation of, um, understanding what my job was and how to try to do it well. But then of course there are always those lessons you have to learn no matter how many times people tell you, you still bang your head against the wall and learn them the hard way yourself anyways. But that was kind of my first few weeks of doing it was just polling people and asking that. No, that's, that's great. Uh, and, and now uh, of course you realize I have, you know, I, I'd love for you to answer those questions. <laughs> Yeah. for us here you've opened the door sure uh, so so this is the one that i i laugh about because i wish i had listened but i don't think you can understand it until you experience it which is one of my friends um who was my classmate and so she had gone straight into management and so the years that i was at universal and grad school and 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 at amazon she had been managing that whole time so she had been promoted and 
had some clients of her own and, and her first piece of advice to me was you have to figure out how to have boundaries with your clients because, mm. you know, as you're, as you were saying, Chris, like it's, it's a trust relationship and it's a strange relationship. And, um, her, she was at a point in her life where her clients had become her friends, but they had become her world. And so they traveled together and they, they had barbecues on the weekends and they went out for drinks and they had meals and, and she felt like she could never stop working uh, because they were her social circle as well. Right. And so one of her big pieces of advice for me was, you know, work with people that are good people that you care about, but figure out how to have boundaries so that you can have work-life balance so that you can shut your computer when you need to. And obviously some nights I work until midnight, but some nights I'm like, Hey, it's 6 PM. I need to go have a life and see my family and, you know, go to the gym or take a walk in nature or let my dogs out. And I felt, she felt like she had, she had never drawn those clear boundaries with her clients. And I thought when she said that she was crazy and I was like, what are you talking about? And I thought I was being a good manager if I was available 24 seven for anything an artist needed. And I burnt out so quickly and I, and I started to resent some of my clients cause I, it took me a very long time to learn how to draw that line. And I wanted so badly for my career to, to take off and my company to succeed and my artists to succeed that I just never stopped working. And it took me a long time to understand that that wasn't sustainable and it led to resentfulness in those relationships. And so I wish I had listened to her advice, but I think that's one you have to experience to understand it. No, you know, how important those boundaries are. Right. I, I, I can completely relate because I, um, yeah, my early part of my career, you know, like so many people, I mean, when you start out doing management, when you're trying to develop an artist, there's not a lot of revenue sometimes <laughs> to kind of attach right, to. Totally. So, you know, I always had a side hustle uh, or a real job. Um, so I would go and work that real job for eight hours a day and I'd book into doing management work. Um, and it, and I give my wife complete credit for this, for pulling me out of that and giving me a life because I, I, you know, I would, you know, we'd wrap up work at like 10 or 11 at night and she'd be like, you want to go have a drink? And I'd be like, no, I got to go home and work. And I don't think she believed me until we started, you know, dating and she was like, oh my God, you work all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I really do. (laughs) This is kind (laughs) of what I do. But Mm -hmm. I realized pretty quickly when I started being distracted from that and, and getting away from it that I was actually doing better work and I was more right. focused and I wasn't as burnt out, you know, to your point. And yeah, you're right. I think, I think that's a lesson that it's good to heed is good to take in, but is almost impossible to necessarily adhere to until you've gone through it. Right. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a challenging one. Uh, what was a bit <laughs> of advice that you heard that uh, you were able to kind of take to heart and kind of implement without having to necessarily go through um, the, the process yourself in so many <laughs> yeah. ways? Um, I think that's a great question. And now I'm, I'm trying to remember seven years ago what some people told me. I think, you know, this piece of advice, I probably didn't need someone to tell me, but I'm glad they reiterate it, is that the, the industry is so small and Nashville is such a small city. But even, you know, even so, you know, like Chris, you don't live here, but we have so many friends in common and clients in common. And, right. Um, just to always treat people well and to always be kind and it's a hard industry and you're going to get rejected and you're going to get no's and people are going to do things you don't agree with and you're going to have you know jealousy bubble up inside of you because you don't understand why this this artist is getting this opportunity when your artist makes more sense for it or earned it or whatever but um that just that understanding that i 
I, I think you could probably get far in this industry and be a jerk and be a shark and, and, you know, go poach a bunch of clients and treat people poorly. But I think at some point that catches up to you. And so um, it's been really, um, I think, beneficial to me in my career. And it's, it's something I'm really proud of that we try, I try really hard to be kind and helpful. And even when I'm frustrated, even when I think someone has done something incorrect, and I'll, that's not to say I certainly won't fight for my artists and what I think they deserve and what I think the contract says, but it, it means I'm going to fight fair and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be trustworthy. And I think just that, like someone reiterated to me, like it is a small town. So, so do your best to always treat people with kindness. And, and even when you part ways with clients, like leaving on a really great note and making sure that you set them up for success in the future. And even if you're angry or you're hurt, you know, doing your best to hang, hand things over and, and kind of end things gracefully and with class, because you never know when it's going to come back around and you never know when you're going to be have an opportunity to work together again or be in the same place or, you know, be in a position to uh, for that person to help you. And if you handled it well and you handled it with class and grace and kindness, that's just going to serve you into the future. No, that's that's great advice. Um, and that's the other thing, too. I know I had a hard time wrapping my head around early in my career and not not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of jumping ahead into what I'm about to say. Not, not that I wasn't, you know, didn't adhere to that philosophy because that's just kind of the nature of who I am. I, I, I like sure, to try yeah. to tackle that in that manner. Although, you know, like like anyone, when you get pushed against the wall a little bit, it's hard not to, to bite back. Um, but what I really struggled with is the idea that these type of relationships have a tendency to come to an end at some point. It's very yes. rare. Um, for them to go on for forever indefinitely, and uh, it, it's that that's a really hard thing. You know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, in a sense that you know you kind of have a tendency, or a lot of people have a tendency to kind of create these relationships where you're uh, emotionally invested, you know, uh, in, in the process. So when that relationship is you know, comes to an end for whatever reason, there's a variety of reasons why it can, it's hard sometimes to uh, divorce yourself from the emotional capacity right. of it um, and accept the fact that, you know, these things don't go on forever. I mean, the, the, the person that got me into doing artist management and, you know, put their faith and trust in me early on, eventually that relationship ran its course and we had a 17-year right. run, which is like a lifetime uh, in yeah. this industry. Sure. But the beauty of that is on the, uh, other side of that, we actually were able to connect and have what I consider, you know, much stronger relationship on the friend level than we did when we were working together. And we yeah. appreciate and support each other in a different kind of way. And, you know, there is kind of a, a flip side to that. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's a, that's that's a hard lesson you know, to kind of learn until you go through that process. But I, I, I've had, I've been down that road, actually in the middle of going down that road right now. I just recently resigned from an artist I was working with. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, an emotional and draining experience, yes. but it is part of, you know, the life cycle, if you will, of the, this type of relationship. Yes. Um, yeah. And I had that, that um, I had a really interesting experience. I had a client leave. I always understood that there were times that it didn't work out and there were times that we, we weren't a good fit or we weren't great communicators or we weren't doing a good job or I wasn't able to be effective for an artist. I always understood the relationship ending then. Mm -hmm. the, I think the, the bigger shock I've had in the past few years is when it was going well 
and I was making the artists a lot of money and we, I felt like we grew them and we had a great relationship and it was going really well. And what I, I wasn't, I would naively wasn't prepared for is when that happens and an artist is suddenly worth, you know, a million dollars, a lot of other people kind of perk up and start looking at that artist and swimming around and, and making an offer. And so, um, we had an artist leave and I was, I was very surprised and very blindsided by it, to be honest. And, um, but the beauty of that was that it was kind of a couple months before the holidays. And so I was able to just take the time of the holidays and the time away and the slow month in the industry in December and really analyze, do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to keep investing in artists when, when that, what you're saying is it's absolutely reality. They're all eventually going to leave it, all of the relationships are going to end eventually. And as someone who has a really hard time separating, you know, the personal from the business and as someone whose heart is really invested in it, am I prepared to set myself up for a life of that? And um, it was a really like beautiful time kind of exploring that and starting to think about, well, what if I went back on the music tech side and what if I, you know, tried something else and, and to come to the conclusion that, you know what, I think artist management is so fun and so beautiful and something I'm really, I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm just going to have to get to a point where I'm okay with every couple years, my heart's going to get broken. And as long as I can keep my head up and say, you know, the relationship ran its course and onward and upward, I can keep doing this. And so it was a very, um, like, the, it was it was a beautiful experience and something I'm really thankful for to be able to kind of hold this up to the light and say, is this something I really want to do? And then to come back and say, yep, it absolutely is. And so, you know, the next time that that, that kind of thing happens to just already know going into that, that this is still what I want to be doing and what I'm supposed to be doing. And there's beauty in it, even though it hurts sometimes and it's hard sometimes. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing to be in tune, you know, to be able to be in tune with yourself enough to kind of realize the ups and downs of that and still commit to it. Um, that's, that's a, a brave thing to do. Yeah. And, well, the, the, I, I ha- my father's an entrepreneur and he's worked in real estate and he's worked in retail and he's had a bunch of different companies. And I remember calling him kind of walking through that and he laughed and he said, you think if you just switch to a different industry, you'd never get your heart broken? Like you'd never lose a big deal or have something fall through. Like he, he just said, you know, when you're, when you're someone like you are, honey, like your heart is always going to be tied up in it. So it doesn't really get easier if you switch industries, which I thought was a wise thing to say. Yeah, no, that is, um, you know, and, and that, that kind of parallels what I've realized in, in, uh, and I, I think it probably overlaps with the artists you've worked with too. Um, it's, uh, it's not, I mean, it's a job on a certain level. The job right. as an artist manager is a job. The job as an art or the, the role of the artist is a job when you do it professionally. Um, but all the people I've worked with, it's not like they're going to stop creating art. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, that's one right. of the one of the kind of, uh, I guess, benchmarks when I'm looking and thinking about, you know, who I want to work with or invest my time and energy in on the management side or even the consultant side is, is this person going to walk out of this room and still create art regardless, you know, of the commercial right. viability of it or whatever? Is this what they're meant to do in the same manner that like you were describing, this is what you're meant to do. And this is where your focal point is at. And, you know, there's ups and downs that go along with that. 
uh, that you just can't really get around. Um, what are some of the other kind of uh, benchmarks for you in uh, deciding to engage and, and take on an artist? Yeah. Um, so like we talked about, I have to love the music. Uh, I have to, I have to just really like them as people. Cause as you know, like you're inevitably going to be stuck on a plane together or have to travel together and you're tying your lives and your calendars and your finances together. So just, I, I try to spend, you know, some time with them and really get to know who they are as people and how they operate. And I like to share just a moral ground with my artists. I don't think we have to all share the same religious beliefs, but I think we have to believe in treating people well. And I learned that lesson from signing an artist that did not treat people well. And I realized very quickly, I didn't, I didn't want my name and my brand and my company to be associated with that. Um, so I'm looking for people that, that feel the same way about how we should operate in the world. I think that's really important. Um, because I'm a small boutique management company with three employees and a handful of interns and an office and some overhead, you know, I, I need to, to find artists that already have some income coming in. I know there are managers that are great at working with baby bands and know how to take an artist from zero to 10,000 fans. I prefer to operate in that like 10,000 to 100,000 fan world where there's already some people there and I can help you get creative and entrepreneurial about extracting value there and finding new revenue streams and, and finding, figuring out new ways to engage super fans. That's kind of the place I think that I'm, my strengths lie. So I look for artists that already have some level of income and some level of fan base. Um, and then the last piece of it for me is I look for when I'm sitting in the meeting with the artist, are my wheels turning in my head? Am I already thinking about what are the first 200 things I would do to grow this artist? And so it's, it's kind of like there's kind of the unknown quality of am I excited about this? Um, one of the m more recent artists we signed was Matthew Mayfield, and he had just put a record out, but he had, has these two videos that he had done music videos that were just beautiful and cinematic and he showed them to me in the meeting and I just got so excited about all the different things we could do with them and how we could use them and um, that that like kind of unknown piece that's that's what do I think I can help this artist accomplish and do I get excited about it from the moment I meet them and do I stay up all night dreaming about what I could do for them and how I could help them and how we could be a team to grow this. Those are the artists that I'm, I get really excited about and I think are a good fit. And then obviously are in that genre, in that wheelhouse that we feel confident operating in. No, that, that's, yeah, it's great to have um, that perspective and understanding of, you know, what, what works, you know, right. uh, what resonates uh, for you that you can have that vision, but also you know, kind of fits, not necessarily squarely into place, but at least within, you know, some parameters that, you know, you can kind of run with. Um, mm -hmm. It's that that can be a challenging uh, thing to figure out as you go. But as you know, as you go, you get a better feel for that um, as you kind of come along. And, and um, that probably also draws people, I would imagine, into your world um, as you kind of build your brand, if you will. Yeah, I hope so. I, I feel like a lot of times when people are reaching out, they say, I saw what you did for X artist. You know, I'd be interested in talking about working with you because they're watching, you know, how we're helping people get creative about growing. Right. 
right. Uh, and the work is always what speaks best, <laughs> you know, in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me ask you, what are some of your favorite memories or moments, you know, in the past, you know, seven or so years as you kind of ramped up that have kind of been defining moments for you as an artist manager that not only reinforce why you do this, but just, you know, are kind of um, tent poles of, oh, this is this is why I get up every day. And this is, sure. what, you know, the role I know I can play. Yeah. Well, I always love, um, we have access to all of our artist socials, so I can see fans reaching out and saying, your music got me through a hard time, your music helped me through a breakup or your music saved me and I was depressed and thinking about killing myself and you gave me hope and those kinds of things like I love reading that it just it like you said it it makes me feel like this is why we do this um I uh, there's a couple moments that come to mind when you say that first we had an artist that was nominated for a Grammy uh two years ago Mm. um and it was the Grammy process is, is awesome. You know, there's all these different pieces and you submit. And, um, I remember when we went to go vote, there were something like 180 different artists in this category and they end up with five nominees. So, and, and of the hundred and artists, 180 artists in the category, I, I had heard of and had been to shows and was a fan of a hundred of them. So, while I thought my artist, you know, belonged in that category, there was no semblance of like, this is a shoe in because it was just such a, it's such a great, you know, Americana folk music is just such a a beautiful genre. And there's so much art happening right now that there was no, we didn't have any inkling of, is it even possible this artist is going to get nominated? And I had actually been traveling. uh, They do, they did the nomination announcement right after Thanksgiving And so I had gone to Iceland for Thanksgiving. So I was like on a different, I was still messed up, you know, jet lagged. And I didn't know what time it was. And I didn't know what day it was. And my artist was calling me at like 730 in the morning. And I thought, oh my gosh, something's wrong. And I answered and she was just squealing, just, just (laughs) high pitched. And in that moment, I just put it all together. Like it's Grammy announcement day. Oh my gosh. You know, it's 830 Eastern. So that means they, they already announced it on the East coast and it kind of all came rushing back. And it was a definite moment of oh my gosh you know we we built something that people liked and took note of and it felt very um like okay we've done something it felt very validating um that 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 happened it was a beautiful record and we had worked really hard we helped them raise a chunk of money to make the record we helped them negotiate with the producer we helped them get the record made we helped them you know, shop the record and get a record deal. We found them a new agent. It, it, it was fun because we were there from, you know, when the songs were being written until the record came out. And so I felt like it very much was something we, my company and myself had a lot to do with. And so that was a very just validating, special, exciting moment. That was a really good one. Um, there's another moment that always comes to me and I remember this on my bad days, but that very first artist I was managing, um, you know, I had quit my big fancy Amazon job and I had moved back to Nashville and I was taking on, like you were saying, like I was taking on all these part-time gigs to make ends meet because 15% of an indie rock band's (laughs) income is not even enough to pay your car payment. And so I was just juggling a bunch and, and, um, the band was putting out some music and I remember Pace Magazine wanted to premiere the song and the level of joy I had probably equaled the level of joy I had five years later when we had a Grammy nomination. Just that feeling of like, 
we're doing it. You know, like somebody else that, that is a gatekeeper is validating that this band is good and worthy of coverage. And um, I remember calling the band and we were all jumping up and down like, okay, a, a real magazine we've heard of is, is going to write about this. And so that, that moment always sticks out to me when I'm having a rough day and feeling like I'm not getting enough yeses. I think about, man, Aaron, there was a day where one premiere major month because somebody, you know, agreed, let's step back and look, put it all in perspective and say, okay, there are eight artists your company works with now and premieres are happening every other week now and tours are being announced all the time and cool things are happening. So that moment of like, okay, I'm actually doing this. Somebody likes this and, and this is legit now. That was a really fun moment too. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I quite often, I remember the first time hearing um, an artist I was working with uh, song on a radio, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not even in the hometown, like we were driving into New York to play a show and it, it came on and it was like, Oh my gosh, wow. You know? And I actually had a moment when back in the day, tower records, I would go, you know, get off work and they were open till midnight. So I'd go and like basically read magazines until they closed for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I remember reading, you know, flipping through like uncut or mojo or something. And I, you know, they play music constantly and something came on. I was like for a split second, I was like, wow, this is really, really good. Oh shit. This is, you know, so-and-so, this is who I work with. It was a record. It would be, you know, it was a few years old. Hadn't listened to it in a while, but I had a moment uh, where I could appreciate it outside of myself if you will or the history I had with it and kind of listen to it from a different perspective and I I, that's one I have a tendency to go back to and say I know you know everybody loves validation and everybody loves those opportunities I've had uh, thankfully a lot of those over uh, the course of my career and that you you know you use those as fuel and you also use it as as a way to kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier like how do you explain what you do well you know, uh, having, uh, an artist nominate for a Grammy, you know, makes the parents and the, the non-music industry, you know, friends and family kind of understand, you know, it's a validation, right. uh, in a way. Although my mom walked around telling people that my artist was nominated for an Emmy because she didn't know <laughs> what that was. So that's hilarious. I just learned to say, yes, they are. They're nominated for an Emmy. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, what that's I... so great. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. Uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine who had an artist um, on SNL uh, several years ago, but I, he was like, I brought my parents to SNL, and that's when they finally realized this is, I'm I like, I, I'm going to have a career at this. This is okay. You know? <laughs> I was yeah, like, I was that's like, awesome. Yeah, I was like, you can't get much better than that in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, that's the dream. That's on every vision board of mine. That would that would be the coolest. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I mean, having those kind of things are, are really special. But I also think having those kind of personal moments, like you mentioned with with Pace. Funny enough, with Pace, I had a, a, a situation early in my career where I was managing Josh Rouse, and they were thankfully as they launched, were big fans of Josh. But um, I got turned on to an artist in many ways the, that they featured. Um, that I ended up working with Rosie Thomas because Rosie I think in their first year was their top artist of the year and Josh was like number three and at that point you know looking at that I remember reaching out and just saying you know thank you for the support you know thank you for for noticing what we're doing and you know I also want to reciprocate and say in 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 Pace's situation I mean Josh and I were both big fans and really appreciated the work they were doing 
uh, an right. artist's behalf. And, and it, that began a very long and uh, fruitful relationship with um, Paste over the years. Not even necessarily on just the artist, artist manager side, but just as a friendship, you know, and right. crossing different paths. And, you know, that kind of circles back around to what you were saying earlier as far as it being a small industry and trying to be good to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I was really humbled when I was working with one of the co-founders in another capacity uh, on a totally different project years ago. We're actually down South by Southwest and, you know, uh, I just finished doing, uh, we used to do a series of day parties down there, which we booked one of your artists for years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, so anyway, you know, you go back at the end of the day and, and just kind of chill out for a bit and try to decompress. But, uh, th- this friend of mine actually pulled up an old email that I'd sent them like 10 years ago. And, and he was just, it was a moment for him too, where he was like, Oh my God, an artist manager and an artist reached out and paid attention to what we were doing and reciprocated mm. it. And you forget about the power of those kind of things yes. in everyone's lives. But I mean, it's like this industry is harsh and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for artists and it's hard for the people that to try to support artists on yeah. both sides of defense, you know? So it's like, we got to lift each other up and try to provide those kind of opportunities when we can, because it really does fuel, you know, everybody's desire to do their best work and to accentuate right. and shine a light on, you know, artists and their best work. Yeah. And I also feel like treating, treating people like humans, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and, and keeping in mind that, yeah, our job as a manager is hard. Their job as a publication is hard. They're trying to make money and get eyeballs and they're doing the best they can and, and we're doing the best we can. And, and so I think sometimes just to have that moment where you just step back and say, I don't need anything from you. I'm just checking in to say, hope you're well, you know, this cool thing you just did was awesome. I'm glad you did it. You know, that I think goes really, really far just treating people like humans and, and recognizing that everyone's working really hard. Right. Right. Um, yeah. If you can remove the, you know, a motive and do that with a level of purity, it it can be really powerful. Um, and you know, you never know, like, you know, removing that motive and creating a connection can at some point, um, you know, without you even knowing it at the time can, you know, plant a seed that can, you know, grow into something at a, at a different time. Yep, um, absolutely. And I think that's some of the best work that I think anyone can do, but certainly artists and uh, their managers, you know, kind of taking that philosophy uh, mm-hmm. is, a, is an important step. Um, my favorite story echoing that recently in my life, there was a, a friend of a friend, he was a drummer in like an emo band. And six years ago, he emailed me and said, hey, we had this mutual friend. I, I just wanted to know if we could go to coffee and I could ask some advice because I feel like this contract isn't fair. And I said, well, I'm not a lawyer, but I look at a lot of these. Happy to go to coffee with you and just tell you my opinion on it. Mm. And I didn't really talk to him much after that. Like we follow each other on the Internet, but I didn't really know what he was doing. And three months ago, he called me and said, you might not remember me, but I'm this drummer. And I said, of course I do. How are you? And he said, well, I've quit the band and I'm head of A&R, or not head, but I'm, I, I do A&R at Curb Records now. And I have this artist that I think you should meet. And I told her that you're one of my favorite people in the music industry because you helped me. And she's Americana artist. And I told her that I think, you know, you're the person she needs to talk to. And I just like had that moment where I was like, this was like a drummer that couldn't, I thought at the time, could never help me. But I'm going to take five minutes and help him just because we have this great mutual friend and I want artists to be treated well. And fast forward six years and he introduced me 
to one of my more recent clients who is just a perfect fit for me because who who would have ever thought that this drummer of this emo band would end up in A&R at a pretty big record label um and of course I didn't do it for that but just that that picture of that happens all the time and it's a really fun and beautiful thing when it does. It is. It is so is. And, you know, it just goes back to, you know, trying to do good by everyone, you know, yeah. without, you know, a motive uh, and being patient, you know, and, and being open and knowing that those seeds you plant, um, even when you don't do it directly, is more of an indirect thing, just being kind to somebody and, and, and helping and assisting, you know, those things kind of get lodged in people's minds. Uh, you know, the same day this week that I ended up parting ways with an artist, I had a, a conversation with an old friend of mine. You know, I have a, I'm sure you do too. I have a short list of people that, you know, when things get tough, um, I can call and, and get counsel yes. on and to support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, my, my friend Ben falls in, into that category. And I, you know, he, we were just talking and catching up. And, and he was like, so, hey, what's going on with your artist? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, we're doing this, we're doing that. And he's like, you know, I've got, my artist has a tour in January and we're taking submissions for support. Do you think he'd be interested in doing that? And it would, you know, it's a really great matchup. I hope it comes together. But it, it doesn't matter if it does on some level because it just it really reminded me in a moment that I kind of needed it that this is a lot of the work that we do isn't necessarily about you know, going from point A to point B, it's about the relationship component and being good to each other and trying to be supportive of each mm-hmm. other. And you'd be surprised when somebody picks up on that and wants to reciprocate it. And typically, at least one I found, it's quite honestly, you know, yeah, in the story you just shared, it's in ways you would never expect or know, you know, right. <laughs> or predict. Right. And there's right. something to be said for that, you know. I mean, that's I think that's almost the, the catalyst to... Um, to what we do uh, as artist managers, you know, for artists that goes beyond capacity of the work uh, Mm -hmm. in and of itself is like, you know, connecting and, and, you know, planting these seeds and just never knowing what's going to come to fruition, but just doing good by the vision of an artist and doing good to others. Sometimes that stuff collides in a way you just couldn't ever predict. Right. Um, That's my favorite thing about this job too. I feel like every time I pick up the phone, there's a potential for something really cool to be happening and some big deal, someone to be calling because we spend all of our time just planting seeds and watering them. And so it's really fun when, you know, somebody calls and, and some, some conversation you had five years ago triggered something in someone's mind and they thought of you now five years later. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, one of the, the high points. I think once you get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of experience and, and uh, some connecting points under your wings. It's something that can really, you know, lift you up as you go. Um, that that's that's great advice. Uh, well, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to chat through yeah, all this. Of course, I love it. Thanks to our guest Aaron today, and thanks to you for allowing us to occupy your ear space for a bit. I'd like to thank my friend Tony Miracle for both the theme music and graphics for Tough Love. And I wanted to dedicate this first season as we have been so far to a truly inspirational manager who recently passed away, Elliot Roberts. Rate us, follow us, and above all, share this podcast with all your friends and fellow music industry and artist communities. It takes a village. You can reach us at chris at anhedoniamanagement.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A-M-G-M-T.com. Be well, trip up, get back up, 
and let's all learn as we go. Until next time.